Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. Hey everybody, welcome to another Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Samson Folk, your host. Of course, you're joining me after the Raptors win in overtime in their final preseason game of the preseason, winning 137 to 134. A lot of exciting elements of this game. A lot of exciting, just even like the the drama, the controversy. We have we had a wet spot. We had Jason Tatum ejected. We had big games from starters, big games from end of bench guys. Christian Coloco was a revelation to talk about all that with me. And since we're kind of wrapping up the preseason in this episode as well, I thought I, I would bring on, you know, my guy, my my dearest pal in the writing community, just somebody who's very close to me. I'm very close to him. Lewis Zatzman. We have many shared uh, uh, adventures endeavors in this writing thing and i I thought it'd be fun to talk preseason how you doing man so we're gonna start playing oh i'm doing great thank you can't wait to be here (laughs) we're gonna start playing pickup ball together and i'm so excited to just laud samson's uh no uh, basketball playing ability on these pods in the future i don't know no. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't like that, dude. I think that would be a horrible idea. But let's laud uh, some of the Raptors, as it were, right? So OG Ananobi, I kind of want to start there. And typically, Rightfully. well, we follow these games in a narrative-based sense, you know, from start to finish. But sometimes the important stuff happens early rather than late. That's not the case in this game, but we can start early with OG. Comes out in the first quarter, scores 20 points, uh, is getting hitting his catch-and-shoot stuff, yes getting to his spots off of movement and getting to his own spots off of his own creation. What was your, your flashbulb thoughts on OGs uh, just punch in the mouth of the Boston Celtics to start this one out? There's a lot of things that don't matter in preseason. The threes don't matter, the missing or the makes, because we know he's a good three point shooter. The finishing honestly doesn't really matter. We know he's a good finisher. It's nice to see a reverse dunk every now and then, but who cares? It's preseason. What does matter is him looking super smooth creating for himself. It's not the first time he's done that. I mean, you wrote the piece last preseason about how how good he looked creating for himself, uh, and then that didn't carry over into the season at all with the pull-up jumper. But this was one of the most comfortable offensive games we've seen from him from a process-based standpoint. The points are nice, but don't matter. It's the process that was phenomenal. That's I'll have in a couple days... 
OG's offensive wrinkle, and it's about the wide pin down. And oh. it's kind of a, a different offensive wrinkle in that I'm doing more critiquing in trying to project how OG can, you know, really elevate how he operates within his role with the Raptors and make them more dangerous. And I don't mean to be down on OG. It's just that I feel that there's meat left on the bone in that play so does he. for him. Yes. And, and this was a game where no meat on the bone. I think it is like you want guys to play make and creation isn't meant to just be for oneself. It is supposed to be a holistic endeavor for the team. You know, you want to be able to create for everybody when you create for yourself. Everybody eats. OG having zero assists in this game, just like when I get downhill, I get to my spot. I bump, pivot, wiggle, bump, pivot, wiggle, fade. You know what? Do your thing, man. And if you're going to hit as many shots, 13 to 21 in this game, I think you get to do your thing. It's it's nice to see him be more proactive, looking to get downhill, especially off of some of these weave actions, because sometimes he's happy to just take it and hand it off. And, and move from corner to corner to space out. And this was really nice to see him uh, engage the defense more meaningfully. And those blocks. So the Raptors have a fascinating meat-bone uh, uh, ratio in the offensive system because the guys who t- chew the meat on the bone, Pascal and Fred, they leave nothing on the on the dinner plate, you know, licked clean. Whereas the other guys, you know, we talk a lot about what what more OG Ananobi could do, what more Scotty Barnes could do. And I think those guys, you know, uh, uh, to bring Scotty into this conversation, because he had a similar, uh, really encouraging night, did more with the meat that was available to them. Ate more. Yes. The, the meat bone corollary, as it were, uh, yeah. proving, proving heading forward. Let's, let's talk about Scotty then. Scotty, I think we saw a more meaningful pacing for his offense, especially in the half court, even, even in transition where there were mistakes made by him in transition. We're not really used to that. He's usually pretty great at keeping his dribble and maintaining forward momentum, not stopping in the middle of the floor. And, you know, He's not Kyle Lowry in that sense where when he stops, it's the most purposeful thing in the world, but there were some rough possessions. But more than anything, he was able to, once again, utilize his size. And I think that was something that was a little bit missed in the first, I guess, four games in the preseason is that Scotty, you know, despite being a guy who can bully and kind of mash his way into his spots, wasn't able to do so in the first four games. And maybe he wasn't inclined to do so. Maybe it was this changing of the role, all these other things. But in this game, the Raptors hunted mismatches against the Celtics on many occasions. If he had a guy like Peyton Pritchard on him, a guy like Malcolm Brogdon on him, he's able to stay square and still keep pushing those guys downhill while surveying the court as a passer and as a guy who can make those in-between you know, eight feet and in shots. That's the special aspect of Scotty's game. And I think tonight, was a return to that pacing, a return to that touch, and a return to that control. Yeah, that's absolutely it. The the decisiveness, you know, people use that as a uh, you know as a catch all a lot. But you and I were talking in the media room the other day. Just gotta you know talk us <laughs> up there yeah, yeah. about the the gap between how decisive Delano's been and how beneficial that's been for him in preseason versus Scotty. And Scotty is this thing where the game doesn't seem to start for him until he hits a jumper. Like he just, he eases his way. He's stretching, he's stretching. Then he hits a jumper. He's like, all right, boom, game on. And and he hit that uh, mid-range pull-up 
like long mid-range pull-up in the first quarter of this game. And then it was just takeover time for him after that. Hit a couple threes, you know, drove to the rim. He had that uh, really tasty footwork, like underhand finish Yep. Uh, later on. This was the first game where he moved it out of first gear. Uh, it also was the first game where he, you know, kind of hit a jumper early on and got going. Uh, I'm not. He, well, he he looked healthy, I would say. Yeah, his because, ankle looked healthy. Well, that's we were Nick Nurse kind of let it slip at practice the other day. Yeah. It was like he's he heard the questions like, hey, what's up with Scotty? And maybe heard yeah. too many of them. He's like, hey, guys, he was injured. OK, just kind of like back off. Yeah. And it does. You don't want to be like, oh, yeah everything that makes it seem like the players we cover is better is the answer, but it does. Scotty was lacking as far as his willingness to turn the corner. He didn't want to push as much. He wasn't as aggressive it and all that stuff immediately because he is a guy who, how does Scotty weaponize his skill set better than people, his size with aggressiveness and comfortability with contact when he's not willing to take it to that spot you know, he loses something. And in this game, he he brought it back. And that was awesome to see. He has so many release points. He can yeah. release from anywhere. And when Scotty is uh, passive, he'll often release just from the center of his body. He'll depend on that push shot a lot. When he's aggressive, he'll get those looping outside of the body shots. He had a play tonight. I think my favorite play of the game by anyone. Uh, it wasn't the flashiest, but I think the most encouraging was he just ran a pick and roll. Uh, Jalen Brown went under. And so he drove to the to the outside, kept Brown on his hip on the left. And the strong side corner didn't pinch in at all. And he was just looking for that pass. He said, oh, OK, I only have Brown on my hip. Boom. Just one hand gather. Never crossed the ball past his outside hip and just finished over Brown. Just way, way long extension. Brown had no chance to contest. And that's like LeBron James stuff, where if you don't do something to make me pass to a three, then I'm just going to score over Jalen Brown, who's not a small dude. Like he, Scotty Barnes is not only one of the biggest players when he just unfurls his massive you know, wingspan, but he also can, can just shoot from anywhere. And it's crazy how accurate he is when he does that. When you don't have a pull up three point shot, a lot of your game becomes about mastery of micro skills Mm. and the ability to, you know, keep the ball on one side of your body, gather, still establish contact with the other protect and then finish with touch is that's a, you know, a lot of micro skills coalescing. And that's a guy Mm. who's way more dangerous than uh, a lot of players who are similarly sized. And uh, that's that's how you become not so similarly skilled. It, it was awesome to see. As far as the... Are we missing anybody? Well, I guess Precious we could talk about. Precious had some things in the starting lineup, and then we'll kind of sum up how the starting five operated. But Precious enters the starting lineup. Gary, uh, tight IT band, and Pascal Siakam getting rest. Uh, Gary had his best preseason game just recently. Pascal, we talked about. I, there's nothing to prove in the preseason and he looked good anyway. He was mostly getting to the spots that he wanted getting downhill, but precious Chua starting power forward, not center 18 points, eight rebounds, four assists, an incredible four of 16 from the floor and remarkable. O of seven from three and 10 of 13 from the free throw line. I got to tell you, I'm going to take the lead on this one. As you said, <laughs> does shooting matter? I don't, I don't care if he goes 0 for 7. 
it'll come around. And even with that, he's still drawing closeouts. And the yep. thing about Precious that is as clear as day is that he dominates anybody who steps into his space one-on-one. He like, this is the thing about being a great athlete among great, great athletes. Precious, if he gets the step, you're not going to bump him off your line. You're going to foul him. This is why he went to the line 13 times because you, otherwise he's getting the step and he, he has the strength, the balance and the fluidity he, he could finish with a dunk over you, with you alongside, with the, the rotating guy to the rim, all of that stuff. He's also finished with layups around contact, either side of the rim. It's it's really nice to see. And guys are just trying to catch up to him because he's beating dudes off the dribble, off the catch, whatever. And this is kind of now Gary's going to start the season. Everybody knows this. You know, Makai Bruce, Kai. Uh, Raptors Republic colleague of ours wrote a piece today on the website about putting Precious in the starting lineup instead of Gary. Now, nobody has to agree with that, but Precious getting to the line 13 times when teams don't have that third or fourth defender for him that's allocated elsewhere, that is kind of the, the offensive upside because the defensive upside is really evident. But Precious continues to wow with just how often guys can't keep up with him. So you take out the the shooting from three, which whatever, 0 of 7. You know, he shot okay from two-point range. But just, like, the free throw rate is real. He's going to yes. draw a lot of free throws. And the Raptors have lacked dependable bench scoring yeah. <laughs> for a long time. And there's nothing more dependable than free throws. That is the most dependable way to score. Right? DeMar DeRozan, there's a reason why that guy scored 25 a game for like what eight straight seasons now just and it's not just it's like every game it's like 23 27 22 28 24 like free throws get points no matter how the rest of your game is looking you get points when you get free throws and precious's free throw rate looks real you know what else is funny though do you remember that story about andrew bynum throwing a tantrum at practice and just shooting every single time he touched the ball. Yes, absolutely. Precious Achua was hilarious tonight. Just every time he got the ball, he's like, everyone, get the heck out of my way. Just, I am taking a jab step jumper. He made a couple. He just like, Precious is so funny, man. It's But that's the thing, right? Is that when I asked him like, hey, this freedom, this newfound freedom you have, what's your favorite aspect of he it? He basically told you I'm the only Ty Crane. Yes, he did. I'm him. I've yeah. been him. That's what like, he said. Well, he also, maybe he's speaking to me. Maybe he's speaking to the collective we. But he said, go watch. Like, I've been <laughs> this dude, you know? Yeah. And and that's a guy who he's supremely confident. And he's supremely fun to watch. And, you know... <laughs> He's able to blow up defensive actions. You could you could be sleepwalking as far as a viewer on defense, and you could miss almost everything. You'll yeah. still notice how good Precious is. You'll still notice yeah. how good, especially Precious and OG, you'll notice how good those guys are. And and offensively, he has a similar quality. I, I love his, you know, how he spurs himself on to keep pushing because, you know, everybody talks about even even educators talk about like you know that dog in them you want to reel a kid in you don't want to have to like force a kid out to do something we we love that ethic in a bunch of different i guess mediums and it certainly works here 10 of 13 from the line 
Uh, he's going to shoot a lot of free throws this year. I just hope he shoots a better percentage. Uh, the rest of the starting is fine. No, no, no. On the whole, like because oh, he wasn't yeah. very good last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's more so what I mean. Seventy. Oh, dude, if he shoots seventy-seven percent from the line this year, I am over the moon. But yeah, the rest is Cam, Fred. Any thoughts? I get Fred had a buttload of steals, by the way. Very active. Um, in rotation and kind of digging down on guys like Tatum, Brown, Brogdon. But uh, any thoughts on Cam and Fred? Cam looks bouncy, man. That dunk, when he picked it up in transition, the Fred look ahead. I don't know if he was jumping that high last year. He he just looks healthier. He's I've noticed the health on the defensive end of the floor. Yeah. And, and we saw that a lot in the first Boston Celtics preseason game where the Raptors made their run with Jeff Delton scoring like five buckets in the fourth quarter and having five assists from the fourth quarter through overtime in the middle of that defense, which had a really strong run during that stretch was Ken Birch navigating a lot of those actions and being able to like, you know, step up and move, move them to the sideline so that they initiate another action rather than having it in there, stopping advantage from growing too large, you know, kind of sidling it elsewhere. And that's, yeah, that's, that's where Birch has looked the best. I think, um, who knows how he figures into the rotation this year? I don't think he's been so unbelievably good that he's a fixture every game. We'll no. see. No. But um, but the fact that he's contributing on defense after last year where he was, you know, probably a negative in most lineups, defensively anyway, is yep. a, a huge deal because the yep. offensive decision-making was the big key for him that made him valuable on the court, and he's obviously not going to lose that. Christian Coloco. Oh, my God. Uh, You've waxed poetic about how impressed you are with this guy. And I, I just kind of want to give you the floor to talk about Coloco. Okay, you got precious. It's only fair. Yes. There was one play. This is going to be the nerdy. This is the most ridiculous. It was a closeout. <laughs> there was a closeout. He was closing out to the corner. He, he It was a long closeout. He, he traveled quite a distance. He reached top speed in two strides. Like, dude was sprinting to the to the corner. And as we've seen a lot of Raptors do the flyby closeout at that speed. And, you know, that's fine. You know, uh, closing out flyby rather than to touch is, is part of the scheme sometimes. Force him inside, you know, keep the switching and rotating. He was at that pace to fly by. But then he just stopped on a dime. Like full speed to just stop to touch. Arms up in a stance. Hip swiveling the other way away from the baseline as the guy drove and he stayed with him. That's not a thing anyone does, let alone someone who is above seven feet tall. Like his mobility and his grace at seven feet tall is preposterous. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, six for six, great. Finished a lob above the box, awesome. Ran in transition, cool, got a dunk. I don't care about any of that. His physical ability is off the charts, man. Like how. Have you ever seen someone that mobile at that with that body type? It's crazy. I think we've seen like Evan Mobley is fairly similar to Coloco. And I would I would guess that he moves even he's even more impressive as a guy who moves at, at yeah, that. But Evan height. Mobley is like a surefire Hall of Famer, right? Yeah, I, I Evan Mobley, if he made the he I would be more surprised if he didn't make the Hall of Fame at yeah. the end of his career than if he did. So if if the comp is but like this is the thing about comps, by the way, guys, like whoever I can't remember who was in my mentions that was like it's like Tyson Chandler, but with a better skill set. Tyson Chandler is one of the greatest rollers of all time oh and a God. defensive player of the year winner. 
It's just like Banton needs time to develop into things. I think we're looking at micro skills here that look really great. Yeah. I can't wait to see what he ends up being. Obviously, like if Evan Mobley and Tyson Chandler are the comps that come to mind, it's not even about him being as good as those guys. It's about him being good enough to make people draw on great examples. And that might yeah. not indicate that, you know, all these different things, but he's doing good. And that's what you want to see from a young big coming into the league. Everybody talks about how high, like the learning curve is so big. And you know what that is? Is because when you're a guard or a wing, you defend relative to players, guys. When you're a big, typically you defend relative to the basket. Yeah. No, 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 the basket, the dimensions of the floor. When you're a wing or a, or a guard, you guard the guy. And if you're a big, you guard relative to the basket because that's what you're protecting. It's, it's about stopping the ball when you're a guard or a wing, but it's about protecting the basket as a big. And the dimensions of the court, they change. So every rotation you make is a step further. Every, you know, meet, if you're meeting a guy at a spot, it's a step and a half or two steps where it might have been one before. And this means that bigs, not only are the players faster coming downhill towards you, but you have to cover more space. And so every all the rhythms and quirks of your rotations change. And Coloco, not only is he a big guy who's like in the mix, very clearly gives a shit about playing good defense, trying to and making, you know, impacting that side of the floor. But also he was very aware of not only rotations out to the front of the rim, but X outs and stuff like that. He, he was made like Wancho missed like four of them in this game. Just for the record, Wancho missed quite a few. Coloco didn't. Coloco yeah. was on. He was making. He was going through the proper defensive process. And so big numbers for him. Six of six, as you said, is a really big deal. But more than anything, I'm just happy to see he's very clearly already paying attention to scheme and following it. Being that athletic isn't just a switchability thing. Like we've really just been talking about the defensive end, but when you're able to accelerate and decelerate, that means you can hold a screen longer. And by the time you, you know, roll, you, you turn into your role, you're at the rim faster. That's it such means, a good point. Yeah. I mean, it means when you cut, you're at the rim faster and you can, you don't need to, you know, be as sprinty at the top speed because in and out of your cut, you're going to be faster than other people. That's, you know, it, that's for Sean Holmes, by the way. It's like exactly. can hold the screen and will burst through the seam into the lane. It it means like it just the if you think about success as a series of windows and they grow or close based on the moment of a play where the ball is, uh, what's happening around you, all the other points. Coloco's windows are wider. Every window that he sees, every microsecond, you know how long he holds a screen, what step he takes, what he does when he catches. Everything is a little bigger just because of this athletic ability. And so it means, yeah, he'll contribute more. It means there's more room to make mistakes because he's more able to make up for it. It just, everything is better. Like switchability, sure, great. But it's everything that matters because of this. Yeah, larger windows. It's just a... Uh... And this is the Anthony Davis thing too, right? Is it's not even the windows conceptually, but it is the the passing window that exists. And as you said, like tapping in above the box, it's that length. It allows him to. He doesn't transport simply by being quicker. He transports by being quicker than a lot of guys his size, and by having more length than a lot of guys who aren't. 
And so, you know, he's he's transporting himself around the court in ways that uh, many players don't have access to. Delano Banton. Okay, so Delano Banton, I said, if he scores one more basket, I'm moving to Rexdale. He did, so I'm moving to Rexdale tomorrow. If you're listening Purely to this... because of Delano Banton. Yes, Delano Banton. <laughs> he scored He scored too well in this game. Uh, sim- similar to, to Precious Achua, a, a paltry number from the floor, but free throws, dude. You know, kind of getting in the mixer, making things happen, 13-4-4 and in this game. Uh, Delano Banton, rather than just this game... That's kind of we both wrote about it. You at the very start of preseason, myself, I guess, like seventy five percent the way through. Let's let's kind of talk about Delano's preseason at large, or should I say, writ large? Is that the the writer thing to do? I think both apply as long okay. as you end in large. Banton, <laughs> uh, I didn't really think of him as a guard. I saw just a wing with, you know, that in in between handling ability. He was calling out plays. You know, he has run what like five or six Spain pick and rolls during this preseason. Nurse, I think it's eleven. I think it's eleven. Eleven. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, he ran three tonight. So yeah, like he is actually turning into a little bit of a guard. Uh, his playability is just off the charts when i wrote about it i was like you know he's inching towards playability it's like no that dude is very playable at the moment and we'll see when, when he is a very game planable guy he was quite successful early on in in 21 22 and when he hit the the game plan that success dropped off pretty hard so we'll see you know no one game plans on defense in the preseason nick nurse yeah. talked about that it's just not a thing you do so maybe his success is lessened, but the ways in which he is succeeding is so different from what it looked like last season. He he just he looks like a very different player. The way he's making reads, the cuts he's making, his usage of screens, his delivery of screens, it's phenomenal stuff. I think you can pencil him in as a rotation player right now, can't you? Hmm. I, I wonder because as we know, Nick Nurse will tighten a rotation in, you know, like the snap of his fingers. Drop of a hat. Yeah. And Otto, like he's not better. Delano, we we talked about, you know, what he's been good at. I want to congratulate him on all the things first before I, you know, question whether he beats some guys out for rotation. But so Delano, not only is he finding success, but he's finding success in some ways against things that he struggled with last year already. So last year it was all about getting on transition and being kind of a heady cutter. And he didn't have really any success initiating in the half court, even with lazy with teams playing lazy defense against him, yeah. right? Against that lazy defense, he's already found his counter. The defenses has to come during the season, and we'll see how that goes. But yeah. he's already making steps forward. Deserves a lot of love for that. His activity on defense uh, is well worth mentioning. I think like, hell yeah, keep doing your thing. And this was the this was the draw. This is both the draw of drafting Banton and the overall kind of concept of playing um, similarly sized guys in the middle of your lineup f- through the guard position, through the big position, whatever. But Banton is he has the length that if something clicked, he immediately becomes funky and different. And funky and different works at the NBA level because they're so used to seeing what works. And there's a lot of different ways to find success, and Banton is finding his own. And and he does so because if Banton had this skill set at like 6'4", we're not talking about him, honestly. And I think he's done a good job. With all that said, 
if the Raptors are running like an eight man rotation and really want to win a game, I I don't think Banton is leapfrogging Thad Boucher or Otto Porter Jr. or Precious or uh, anybody like that. I think I think he might leapfrog Thad at times. I think but there's that some is the king, the plus Thad. minus king. This is your guy, Lewis. You got to go love that. I love that. But but for all of Thad's abilities, he is the the leapfroggable bench player. Precious is not. Oh yeah. Chris Boucher is not. Thad is the guy with like only one million guaranteed for next year because they're saying, you know. This is a the bridge still works, but it seems like it's rickety. How does it still work? You know, like it's uh all, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, we're we're waiting to see, I guess. But yeah, the Banton Thad, I'd be very interested to see how that shakes out. It's obviously more likely that Banton improves measurably over the next year than it is that Thad does. Justin Champagny. Now, again, I talked about this in the video I did for Yahoo. I talked about this on whatever they didn't even have a name for it when I went on Blake's show to talk about Raptors. But any, any time I've had a chance to talk about it, I've endorsed Champagne as I think the final guy to make the roster. I feel that way after tonight, heat man, he airballed both of those threes, dude. And I really wish he didn't, but he also uh, navigated screens pretty well. He did get back cut on one and I can't remember who saved him with a, in, you know, a, a rotation to the rim. But for the most part, Champagne was really active and really positive on, on defense. And then on top of that, some of his um, smarter cutting, uh, his finishing ability showed up in this game too. And when he was out that there left. on the, yeah, the left hand, totally. And when he was out there on the court to end these games, he's not being picked on. He's When he's in an action, it helps the defense rather than puts them behind the eight ball. That's not always the case for these end of bench guys. And, and also we're seeing good players on the other side of these actions. The Celtics, they were playing their guys heavy minutes. They want to win. So Champagny, despite not having a standout game like Josh Jackson had, DJ Wilson didn't play in this game. Gabe Brown didn't play this game. Ron Harper Jr. didn't play in this game. And, you know, Malachi Flynn hasn't played all preseason, basically, just before he got injured, obviously. But if it were between Jackson and Champagny, it's not that I needed to see this game because I am pretty bullish on Champagny as a guy. But... I do feel Champagne should be the guy. Do you have any thoughts on that and maybe his performance as well? No, I agree. Um, you know, I wrote the piece, Josh Jackson was delivering a lot to the team, and he was. Uh, he fell off in the couple of games since then um, because he is always going to be a high-usage guy. When he gets the ball, he's going to attack. He's going to drive. He, he had one season of successful driving, surrounded by a lot of not successful driving, and I think Champagne could be better at that. He, he is a proven finisher, uh, you know, insofar as anyone with his number film. of NBA minutes. He's a, he's a film finisher for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just like watching the guy, just he looks great around the rim. Uh, I just think he probably does more. And on top of that, he's your guy, right? You've developed him. Uh, there is that path dependency. Uh, you know, GMs like the guy that they brought on uh, and he's younger, you know, which the potential and all that or whatever, I think there's a lot of incumbent advantages that he has. And on top of that, I think he has probably just in tonight showed a little more than what Jackson showed. And that's like, that's the thing too, is that against the jazz and against the Celtics in, in that second game, you know, we were watching just, 
Josh Jackson, I should say, sorry. Josh Jackson, we're watching a guy who's attacking seams, lazy defenses and stuff like that. And as we get towards the back end of the preseason, we face like Houston that yep. played really good defense. That, they tried. Yep, they tried. Those seams weren't really available. And Jackson, it wasn't like a bit of a fall off. It was a very large one, a very steep decline. And so, yeah. And if you're betting on a guy, everybody loves three-point shooting. Justin Champagny, you know, over six attempts per game at, you know, G League. He was shooting over, he was shooting 41%. He shoots like 200 every day. That's his first thing he does when he walks in the gym. You can quote him on that. It's been quoted. And yeah, that's the guy I would bet on. And the, the offensive rebounding. He, he, by the way, among wings, the 100th percentile in offensive rebound rate last year. Justin Champagny in the NBA. It's an elite skill. So... That's that's the pitch, I suppose. It was weird, though, that the Celtics kept Jalen Brown and Al Horford and Marcus Smart. They, they really didn't want to lose two to the Raptors in preseason. I think so. I had heard before the game that they were planning on playing them deep anyway, maybe citing rhythm, maybe citing whatever else. But it it was cool to see guys like Banton, Doughton, Jackson, you know, Champagne and Achua. That's the that's the closing five. Those guys stuck it out and won 137 to 134. That's really impressive. Uh, Jason Tatum, I guess I want to talk about quickly. He got ejected. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like he got ejected in a preseason game? I don't know. That was who cares? That was dumb as heck. That's that's why. Yeah. Okay. So that's why I thought, too. I thought I was like, why is this happening? This seems like an odd thing to have happen in a preseason game. And uh, I didn't. I think what he did was so muted that I could hardly tell what the egregious action was, even with review. Did, like, what did he do wrong in your, in your estimation? I guess he waved his hand. They're trying to crack. <laughs> Refs always, you know, they always have that point of emphasis. I mean, that was the practice we were at. We were we late talking to them because they were on the point of emphasis call with the refs. Monty Sometimes, McCutcheon. yeah, it's like... <sighs> Lyndon Johnson, when he had <laughs> when he had meetings, occasionally he would he'd say you know say walk with me and they'd leave his office, and they'd go into the bathroom, and he he would go into the stall and he'd leave the door open, and he'd continue the meeting, using the bathroom with the stall door open, and you wonder if that's a a, a move of extreme power or a move of extreme weakness. And that's what the refing tonight felt like. Are they trying to take control of the game because they're powerful and trying to crack down or because they're weak and trying to seize control of something that didn't need to be seized control of? This, this is really interesting. Another example, probably taken from Lyndon Johnson as inspiration, but I can't remember what his name was, but Billy Bob Thornton's character in Fargo season oh, one. Yeah. Also does the, a guy walks in and he's like, I will be on the toilet looking at you. Talk to me while I do my business and, and no reservations. That was a power move for him. But he's also a guy who would kill people at the drop of a hat and enjoy doing it, which is a, a wrong thing to do, but a powerful thing as well. <laughs> wrong. wrong, but powerful. And uh, I don't think that the the refs are operating with the same amount of chutzpah as it were. Um any anything else about the guys on the roster in this game? Is there anything else you want to talk about regarding the the roster shaking out? 
Actually, yeah, while I have you here, let's do uh, how you'd like to see the back end of the roster shake out. So I'll, I'll lay out the I'll lay out the the situation currently. So uh, we have DJ Wilson. He is guaranteed like 250k, I believe. Delano Banton guaranteed like 250k. I think that uh, I believe Champagne's guaranteed 350k. Uh, Delton is on a two-way. Ron Harper Jr. two-way. Gabe Brown exhibit ten. Josh Jackson exhibit nine. Uh, who do you want to see staying? Who who are you sad to see go? I mean, you're always sad to see everyone go, right? Sure. Uh, not not Rodian's Kuruks, actually. Yeah, well, not everyone. Not everyone. <laughs> uh, okay, I, I I am with you. Uh, I think Champagne or and uh, and Banton are probably the two. Wancho because he's guaranteed. I expect to get the spot. And I don't. They think already anyone... talk about him like he's there. Like yeah. he's there. Nick talks about that, and I just if someone had really dominated, then maybe. And and you if Downton for example was on an exhibit ten, uh, sorry that it's not uh, how uh, it's doubt Downton. What's how Doughton. am I pronouncing Downton? If Downton yeah. had been on an exhibit ten, for example, then I'd be thinking you know wave wave Wancho and get him that spot. We've also started calling uh, Jeff Downton El Jefe. You know. That's, yeah, uh, Jeff Hef. Yeah. Uh, but but he's already with it like a two way a, a regular G League contract, which I expect a guy like Gabe Brown to sign. Is any team can 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 sign them to an NBA contract? A two way contract, you have team control, and so Doughton is is a Raptor, right? The same way that Champagne was last season, and uh, and Chris Boucher was, you know, uh, a long time ago as well. And so there's no there's no cause to wave Hernan Gomez and sign Doughton. And so I really do think he'll take the spot because no one really outplayed him for it enough that you're going to change the team up. Uh, I will be especially sad if Gabe Brown goes elsewhere. Mm -hmm. Not that I think he's a future Raptor. He's just so fun. I love the bounce and the verve. And, you know, maybe if all things break right, maybe he is an NBA guy at some point. Not yet, but, you know, fun guy. I think he's a guy. For for what yeah. it's worth, I believe Gabe Brown, uh, you know, three years down the line, I think that he's he's not a guy who gets you know the one chance and then kind of flames out. I think if he doesn't end up making it, he's going to be around for a long time. Yeah, but I but I think he does end up making it. And just some some cap minutia for everybody. If if you don't know what a two way allows, uh, Lewis was bang on that that they get team control, but also uh, fifty games is how many games they can play with the Raptors. So Jeff Doughton could still figure in in a massive way if there's injuries, if there's whatever, and they get a any game with the 905 they can play as well. And they increase the, the – they, there's no day limit anymore, right? Right. And so you're allowed to practice infinitely, which wasn't the case, which was so weird. <laughs> That's It's such a silly stipulation to be like, ah, no, no, practicing. Yeah, None get of out of the gym. Yeah. We but, in the NBA do not believe in collective wisdom. Okay. None of it. Even if Gabe Brown is a guy three years down the road, which I, you know, I'm with you. I'm positive. It's hard to keep a guy like that in house for three years. Mm-hmm. You see, you see that with guys like O'Shea Brissett where, or, or even Doughton, for example, on all sorts of other NBA teams where, you know, teams like those guys, teams want those guys, DJ Wilson, the Raptors have wanted him to be a Raptor for, 
a long time now. It's just really hard to, to find space for all these guys you like. And so, you know, the Pacers were the beneficiaries with Brissett. The Raptors look like they're the beneficiaries with Doughton. That's just how it goes. So who knows if the Raptors are going to be the team that benefits if and when Gabe Brown does become an NBA player. I would like them to be the team, obviously. But uh, but but he look, he's looked great. He's looked fun, most of all. Yeah, let's let's do probably before we close up the podcast a little bit on Doughton. Uh, my my big takeaway is, listen, Delton, it's pretty easy to tell with this guy in summer league. I saw him play with the Raptors. I said, what Delton does is not emulated by anyone on the Raptors except for Pascal Siakam. He gets downhill when he wants to more than OG, more than Gary, more than Fred even. Delton, we saw him putting good defenders in the mixer with a couple dribble moves. He's like he's very efficient with his energy transfers. He's got a great handle. He's got a good first step. That is a dude who will get into the middle of the paint and create from there. I want to see him play NBA minutes this year. I'm sure we'll see it. But also, I'm going to be going to some 905 games this year, you know, mixing up with Andrew Damlin, uh, Teru as well, those guys who represent, you know, Raptors Republic. And I, I want to see Doughton kind of just like dominate down there before getting up to, you know, the Raptors for some games too. He is so good. Uh, there's a story I heard once about, I think it was Danny Briere, like the old Buffalo Sabres. And yes. Player. Danielle Briere. Yeah, totally. Captain was, of the Buffalo Sabres. So there was a while, you know, he wasn't supposed to, he was like a shorter NHL guy. Mm-hmm. He didn't look like a pro athlete. And I, I heard this story about him. Uh, in practice and the, the GM just realized after an hour or two hours, she's like, Holy hell, this guy's teams have won every single game. Every team, because they keep switching up. He's won every game. And then they it, like, he wasn't scoring all the goals. He wasn't getting all the assists. Like he wasn't out skating anyone. He wasn't getting all the big hits. It's just, he won everything. And Doughton does that. He just like, he drove kicks out for three when the three is open. He doesn't turn the ball over. He finishes with those little push shots that like you can forget by the time the next play begins. You're like, oh, who scored that? I can't remember. He just he's not memorable, but he is successful, my God, at everything he wants to do. If he does get NBA minutes, I guarantee his plus minus is going to be preposterous. He just he is so successful. I I really Probably, I'll be very excited about and will write about the moment it, well, me and you will probably arm wrestle to see who gets to write about it the moment it happens. But Doughton playing with, like, having, I don't know, an eight-minute stretch with Chris Boucher and Precious Situ as his oh. front court guys, and just a team that wins those minutes, I think, should be pretty exciting. But uh, anybody else you want to touch on before we get out of here? The preseason is over, dude. Yeah, good riddance. Preseason, fun <laughs> as it is. It's too tantalizing. You just like, I'm always so excited for preseason. And then as soon as it hits, I'm like, give me the real stuff. I, we are getting an absolute blast of a game. Night one, the Cavs, Jared Allen, by the way, fun fact, I'm in a group chat with (laughs) Jared Allen on Twitter. Just like a fun, fun little thing. That is accurate. By the way, I'm not lying. I'm in a group chat with Jared Allen. However, Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Donovan Mitchell, Gar- Darius Garland, even Karis Levert. That is like such a fun team. 
And then on top of that, you have the Raptors on the other side. There's a lot of intriguing storylines coming to a head there. Yeah, there are a lot of in- intriguing storylines in what we just heard. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I just want to tell everybody, like, thanks for tuning in with us. Lewis and I, hey, I'll do the heavy-handed pitch. Raptors Republic, there is a paywall uh, on some of the work. As it turns out, Lewis and I will be falling behind the paywall like Humpty Dumpty. Uh, and if you want to read our stuff, it's going to cost money. a month if you subscribe for a year at a time. $7 a month, I believe, if it's one month at a time. And I got to tell you, Lewis and I, we are credentialed. We're at the games. We're in the practices. All that kind of stuff. We're telling stories. And, you know, if anybody who's listening to this podcast, you've probably been hearing the popular narratives that come along a few months early. You've had the hot uh, water cooler talk a, a few months early. And if that's and if you love basketball and you want somebody who's writing to add to your enjoyment of it, I think that both Lewis and I and everybody else who exists behind the paywall is worth that money. This is independent media. We are doing our best and we appreciate anybody who wants to support. Thank you so much for listening. Lewis, do you have any uh, marks remarks you want to give before we get out get out of here? Every time I come on these pods, I have so much fun. Uh, yeah, you know, uh just last thing on the paywall, this isn't, you know, RR trying to make more money. This is RR trying to survive. Uh, the ad environment has changed a lot. So uh, it's, it's hard out there for independent media. Uh, my man, this is also going to be Samson's first year uh, credentials. These pods are going to be coming out late sometimes because he's going to be at games. I am so excited to be with you on this on this journey together. Can't wait to read what you have written. Thanks, man. Yeah. And I mean, you're subscribed too. So thanks for subscribing. And and you said you did that just so you could read my stuff, right? Is that, is that what the case was? That's right. It's, it's not for, so my dad has a login can read my stuff. It's for you. That's right. That's exactly correct. Um, Lewis, thanks for coming on listener. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the, you know, end of preseason pod slash reaction pod. Um, Lewis and I will probably will come together on some of these this year. And as we always do, myself and Lewis, we're comped to Niles and Frazier. Is that is that I don't know <laughs> the characters actually, but um, people typically like to sit down and hear us talk basketball. There will be a lot of that this year. So um, stay tuned with us. Whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. <laughs>